Welcome to A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. This is your host, Matt Powers. And today I want to talk to you about something that has been mysterious and strange and didn't make sense until now. Uh, What I'm talking about is why my giant amaranth shrank as my soil improved. So, so many of you might know my most popular video on YouTube of, of me. I mean, there's, there's videos of Elaine that are more popular, but, um, videos of me on my channel. The most popular video is my giant amaranth growing giant amaranth and it's crazy tall, but you know, it always got smaller every year after that video. And that's why I stopped, you know, circulating those seeds because they were no longer giant. And and it was very interesting because I didn't immediately, I thought maybe like I had like contamination and, or I don't know, I just, I just didn't put two and two together. And what, what I didn't realize is as I improved my soil, as I made it richer, more organic matter, more fungi, more life, more water retention, uh, uh, and th- all of this, you know, became unfavorable. Uh, it became unfavorable to, to the non-mycorrhizal plants like my amaranth, like my beets, like all my brassicas, my mustard, my kale, my cabbage, my mustard, um, my broccoli. And, you know, it's because these plants don't partner with fungi. I mean, they partner with something that pushes out fungi. And at first we called it actinomycetes um, because it looked like fungi. It was filamentous. It was had hyphae. Um, but it's a false fungi. It doesn't do the things that fungi does. It actually pushes out and somewhat fills the role, but not to the degree and not to the benefit level that fungi does. And so... Um, it's preventing secession of the soil. It's preventing it getting down to the ideal zone for roots. And um, all, I mean, we realize now that it's called, we call it actinobacteria. We realize it's a type of bacteria. It's not fungi at all. Um, and so much of this has changed since we've been able to ID microbes. You might have noticed that, you know, family names have changed. Um, uh, like names of, 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 of actual things have changed. Like glomus um, has changed to rhizophagus, you know, in the family of arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi. Amarathacea and kinopodia have been grouped together. Both are non-mycorrhizal. And, and there's more to this. Okay, so there's more to this group too. So... So when we think non-mycorrhizal, they're pushing out fungi, but if we're in that that alkaline zone, there's some plants that are no doubt adapted and native to, to those kind of stressed out uh, soil regions. Um, but even they and um, any plant in that situation is going to be stressed and released hydroxide into the soil and push the soil even more alkaline. And so we're talking about like plants that are hurting, hurting the soil. And so it's, it's this moment of choice, you know, that we really have to make and decide with our soil, what zone we're going to occupy. 
um, how oxidized, how reduced, um, how like how acidic, how alkaline. We got to ask all these questions and then plot our course because that will determine so much of our future. Uh, not just the future of our food, the future of our, our the land that we're stewarding, but the future of our planet. Um, so specifically, you know, like brassicas, you know, they are reducers. They're going to, you know, bring energy down to the soil, but they don't partner with fungi. Um, but that's why they're great as fertilizers for things and uh, that aren't aren't fungally um, partnering. And they're great for things that are already in soil types that are more alkaline, more oxidized. So, so it's, it's, it's really great because it can draw things down, but keep things in the preference zone of those plants. So it can bring down energy, reduce that oxidized state, but keep it in that alkaline zone, which, which is what certain plants prefer. So um, they do they do bring nutrients along with the actinobacteria, but it also it restricts nutrient access, right? Because when things are more alkaline, there's less nutrients. When things are more oxidized, there's less nutrients. And hydroxide, you know, is going to oxidize as it does this. So we have to keep these things in mind um, if we're in that zone or if we want to maintain that zone. Like if you're a farmer, you're going to want to um be constantly adding things to to buffer the soil and we'll get into that in a second so this restricts you know when you're in that alkaline that alkaline area you're restricting nutrient access preventing secession and and deep sequestration of carbon's not happening the, you're keeping the soil overall like overall just nutrient poor drier and less structured as well that's what the alkaline oxidized tendencies are going to do and that's why i'm saying these plants you know they're not they're, they're not really helping us they're plants that we have used to survive they're plants that um can be hypernutritious but let's get into why right <laughs> part of the reason why brassicas are hyper accumulators Maybe because they lack fungal partners to do the filtration for them because they're non-mycorrhizal. So um, these can be very healthy plants, but these can also be the plants that readily uptake heavy metals, pesticides, nitrates, you know, you know, all the above. In fact, brown mustard is like the remediation superstar and it's used and recommended all over the map. So keep this in mind uh you know it like so so we have to like realize that we have to if we're going to do those kind of soils we're going to do those kind of foods the soils have to be like on the up and up like pristine at such a high level all right so how did i come across this information well it was as i was writing and studying and researching regenerative soil my new book a new picture began to emerge through the research journals and studies the why behind inconsistencies and in folks results in my own results and in the teachings i'd received prior came into a completely new light there are plants that aren't helping our soils and this is this is this is provable you might now realize you might now see there might be um some some things clicking um in some and many people's heads um because this is this is nature and it will start to click on deeper and deeper levels the more you understand it 
So this hydroxide will push you further and further from the pH EH ideal zone, right? Because not only is it's OH negative, right? So, so, so you're 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 oxidizing the soil um, in, in, instead of putting out a proton and attracting the cations, which is you know mostly what what they need. So yeah, it's 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 trouble. Um, and we're essentially, you know, building a desert, just like, you know, Modest Mouse sings about. Um, and it's it's really just time that we stop this trend. Uh, and I'm not saying we need to fully stop eating and growing these plants, but we need to grow them in their appropriate soil types in very clean soils. <laughs> So we need to be testing those plants and making sure, like using plant sap analysis in real time, seeing what they're uptaking, what's in their phloem, you know, what what are these plants hyperaccumulating because they do not have protectors. Um, and there are places naturally like this, the more alkaline and oxidized, like Arizona, Central and Southern California, you know, where amaranth, quinoa, beets and shard, they grow amazingly well because these soil types are already in that range. Um, it, it does mean that we need to consistently add organic matter as a buffer to keep us near the ideal pH zone and prevent runaway alkalinization and oxidation. So I'm not anti I'm not anti non mycorrhizal, um, <laughs> but I am um, like because you know reality is they still partner with free living rhizophagous and endophytic fungi archaea and bacteria but they don't sequester carbon build soil structure improve nutrient density and grow plants that aren't non-mycorrhizal well um and and for you know for for me i want the best soils i want the most drawdown i want the most nutrients um you may have seen this play out in your garden when everything else is growing well but your amaranth and brassica and beets um are are, are more like those non-mycorrhizal plants they're suffering or or the reverse they're doing really well but you can't get your tomatoes and peppers to do well because they're more acidic and fungal uh, and they prefer it to be more reduced so what what can we do? What can we do here? Uh, well, you can grow things together and spot water in or foliar spray plants with their preferred compost teas, foliar sprays, etc. Soil pH changes micrometer to micrometer. So diversity and close proximity is is really the norm in nature. Um, but we do need to be aware of these tendencies. And I'll side note here that we do need to make sure that we give plants enough space so that their leaves get enough light because that's another thing that will get them stressed and have them release hydroxides if they're shaded too much. In California, that might not be a problem um, because full sun is like, um, uh, not full sun here, full sun here is like, uh, like you need shade cloth uh, in many places. Uh, so, uh, and farmers, they need to pick the zone they want to grow in. They can't spot treat a hundred, you know, let alone a thousand uh, or a few thousand acres or a hundred thousand acres. They need to pick their pH and focus on keeping it in that range to grow their focus crops. There are many ways to focus, many ways to shift um, your pH, EH, like EM, brown rice vinegar, compost teas, biochar, because pH, EH deals with oxidation, organic matter levels, moisture levels, nutrient availability, and much more. If you'd like to learn more about this, please tune in to the free webinar this Thursday. It's live, there'll be Q&A with me, and then we're gonna have replays 
all weekend. So we're gonna, it's all inside my, my, my course platform. You have a login, um, you can comment, you can, you, can, you can ask your questions live, and then all weekend long, until the following Monday, you can, you can, you can, you can replay it. The introduction to regenerative soil begins that Monday. Uh, that is a new course. It's never been offered before. So don't miss that either. It's the core why and how behind all the new insights found in my new book. So sign up and join us. The webinar is free. It's free for everyone to check out for the whole weekend. It's going to be amazing. And you can also get the new book on my website, thepermaculturestudent.com or on Amazon, where we hit the top 10 in best-selling soil science charts a couple weeks back. So grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively, and sign up for the webinar and the new class. I'm Matt Powers. Thank you so much for listening to A Regenerative Future. Thank you. <laughs>